0: people say to me don't you miss being in the military uh, no I don't
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah well I mean, I'm looking to retire soon myself too actually
1: oh you're hilarious Chris
2: and now,
1: <laughs> hey, hey,
2: hey. I'm the captain now. <laughs> coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego California hey, this sounds girl. great you sound amazing I always sound amazing It's the world famous. Everybody's getting off like BFS. Chris and Christine show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris.
1: And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 135 of the Chris and Christine Show.
2: Coming to you live from the brand new design studio for Christine Smith Designs.
1: Yes, we are. So if you hear a little bit of an echo, it's just because we're testing out this new building here that doesn't have a whole lot of window coverings and things to pad it. So we wanted to give you all the experience of being in the new design studio. This will not be a regular occurrence, but it is a special one-time only event. because
2: Why is it one-time only, baby? Because
1: the house is full. And when the house is full of kiddos running everywhere, we got to get to a little bit of a quiet spot. But We do have the tiniest little munchkin here in the studio with us for the first time, right?
2: No, she's been in the studio before. No, this studio. Oh, we're talking about good old Clover Bear.
1: Clover Bear, how you doing, baby doll? So if you hear a little jingle of a collar or you hear a little scratch of some paws on the ground... It's our little podcast mascot, the one and only Clover Bear. It has been a real
2: crazy, busy weekend, like very busy for both of us and for everybody pretty much in this house.
1: Yeah, it definitely has. We had back to back weddings this weekend and we had all three kids home. And instead of me hiring an assistant this weekend, I was uh, training my new assistant across the table from me, who happens to be. Chris from K2 Studios himself. So um, would you like to give us a little rundown on your training weekend?
2: It has been so busy. First off, I have to say that, babe, you do amazing work. And actually, I was so exhausted. In fact, I'm still super exhausted from yesterday and the day prior to yesterday. Two weddings, back to back.
1: And they weren't even like coordination weddings. They were just like the first one, we were just setting candles out for it. And the second one, we were doing floral setup. So it was like three or four hours. But uh, tell everybody how it went for you. Well,
2: the first wedding was at Balboa Park at the Museum of Photography.
1: Photographic arts, yeah. Yes.
2: And in the museum, it's all f- photographic pictures. And these really cool pictures of these kids. And I was, it was so funny. We're like walking through the hallway and I'm like pointing out that picture is called I Don't Want to Go Have My Dinner, Mom. And that was called I Don't Want to Go to Bed, Mom. <laughs> these crazy pictures of kids just making these weird, funny faces.
1: Yeah, it was a really cool exhibit of children and their expressions.
2: So you're there at the actual – there's like a front room, I believe it was. And in the front room is where they have like the setup for when they do actual events for – they do weddings there. I'm guessing wedding um, receptions and things like that. They're right on the – in the museum, which is crazy Mm -hmm. to do that inside of a museum.
1: Yeah, they had their ceremony down at the Japanese Friendship Gardens, I believe. And so it's just a lot of different options for beautiful weddings in Balboa Park
2: yeah, so they had it all there. So Christine did not set up any flowers at all. In fact, that wedding, they didn't want any flowers, which is kind of weird. you know you would think you'd have flowers at a wedding, but I don't think I saw any flowers at all.
1: At no, it was they wanted to go simple for the reception. And so for the ceremony, they had a couple of floral displays. But um, for the reception, they just wanted so the colors were black and white, and it was kind of cool because they had a black and white photo display for the museum. There was a lot of like black and white pictures. And so you had these black velvet tablecloths and um, our hurricanes that we own with uh, black taper candles and it was just an all white room and it actually looked really cool and clean and crisp, but you're right, it was different not having a lot of stuff on the table, but how was that different from our wedding on Sunday?
2: Well, our wedding, that was Saturday first off. So, Saturday was done. We need to go back and get the candles and get all the stuff. You call it striking down or having a strike? Oh, strike, yeah. Strike. I thought it meant like you're on strike. I give up. I'm doing this anymore. i striking out.
1: In the biz, we refer to it as strike, which means you're striking the event, which means breaking down. It's I guess easier, that makes
2: sense, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: easier to say than like tear down or breaking it down. You just say, you know, I'm here for strike. And everybody in the biz knows what that means. Ooh,
2: everybody in the biz. Yep, so it now was, you're in the biz is. so after we came we actually went to the place set everything up and then after the event was over we went drove back over there and collected and it did strike and got a little stuff back in the truck and brought it back home that was night number one on yep. saturday night
1: and so, so were you tired after that
2: uh, of course i was i was <laughs> exhausted so early and that's s- funny
1: because setup was only an hour
2: it was it? Now? yeah
1: <laughs> we felt, only loaded like and, a
2: lifetime to me
1: we only loaded and unloaded like five boxes
2: and then the next thing we did was we did, which was on Sunday. On Sunday, which was the big deal event, up in Fallbrook, which is a pretty far away. It's very north. It's actually north border of the San Diego County line. Right, right before above that, you go into like Temecula and like in that area.
1: Yeah, so it was an hour drive each way for us.
2: So we went up there up both two cars my truck was loaded down with stuff christine's car was loaded down with flowers my Mm -hmm. truck had all kinds of goodies in the back and the back seats were folded up so the very back of the truck part which is like a double cab my truck's a crew cab so in the crew cab part you can move the seats up into the wall and then you can have all the cargo space so we Mm -hmm. used that to put stuff boxes and who knows what all kinds of trinkets and stuff and then um, we both drove all the way up there and that started pretty early for us. What time was it that we started that uh, Well, day? that's
1: technically late for a wedding day, but we arrived there. We actually were late because I had to get your, tra- your truck gassed up and then I had to grab some food and we had to get ice for our cooler. So we were supposed to arrive at 10. We got there at 1040, which was totally fine because we were still the first vendors on site and they were- had just barely put the linens on the tables. So it was totally fine. Um, And then we started the process of unloading and kind of getting everything situated. In terms of florals, it was a little bit simpler of a design. The bride, well, it was the couple, the bride is Filipino and the groom is Persian. And they were blending the two cultures together through their entire wedding celebration. And so um, we had these like wicker slash rattan looking lanterns that were um, the centerpieces and palm leaves and... Cut floating flowers. And so it was a lot of advanced prep work, but it wasn't like a uh, huge centerpiece stuff that I had to prep for days. It pretty big to
2: me. Like the big ones on the big center table look pretty massive.
1: Yeah. So there was this center, they call it a king's table. I didn't know what that term was before, but I had a king's table at the wedding on Saturday and a king's table at the wedding on Sunday, which is so funny. And it's like a head table, a traditional head table.
2: Okay, so um, now the he- who sits on the head table? Who gets picked that table?
1: Well, it's typically like the bridesmaids, groomsmen, and immediate family. Um, at a head table, a traditional head table at a wedding, it's just like the bridesmaids and the groomsmen. But the king's table on yesterday's wedding, Sunday's wedding, had like, I don't know, 25, 30 chairs around it. And so we had three large, long centerpieces, each one of them was like three feet long and palm leaves and bay leaf and beautiful dahlias. And I mean, they were big. And then um, we had floating candles and floating flowers around them. And so it was just like a pretty intricate setup for that center table. And sorry if you hear a little bit of growling in the background, our little clover has found a, a dead moth. On the floor
2: No I think she's Founding her little toy She's playing with her New toy she's got
1: Oh I got her So I got Clover A dog bed for in here And I just brought her In a little bit Before we started recording And a little chewy dog bone That squeaks And so I know typically We're really Trying to be clean On our audio But tonight's just Kind of like a fun night Because it's a it's something new and something to celebrate, but –
2: It was. Yeah. It, it, so we set everything up and then we had to get out of there before the whole event started. So Christine set up not only in the uh, – by the way, the event place we were at was absolutely gorgeous. We were um, staying at. It was funny because I asked
1: Christine – staying at. We wish. Uh, I'm sorry.
2: We were actually – Frank was thinking here. Yeah. The event place the wedding was at that we were at helping out was absolutely gorgeous. And it was in this great like hidden oasis with waterfalls and fountains and all kinds of tropical stuff. And it was like it was almost like being at the zoo or the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It kind of was because like, okay, so it was called Grand Traditions Estate. And when you drive up, there's the first thing that you see is called Beverly Mansion and that's one part of the wedding venue, and you can have a wedding there and a reception there. But the architecture of that mansion reminds me of the, like, the architecture right when you walk inside of Disneyland with all of the little shops and everything, how it oh, had right. all the cute, yes. like, the, I call it the gingerbreading, like, all of the cute decorative trim and that. But we went up to the other area, which was the Arbor Terrace, and um, I can't remember what the ceremony place was, and... I didn't see the ceremony place until after you, but when you walked into that ceremony space, describe it for everybody so they can like visualize it. So the
2: whole entire grounds area, it's like an entire jungle. They've got really tall bamboo and lots of tall palm trees, like really tall stuff and and all kinds of shrubbery. It's very tropical and jungle-like, which is kind of weird for that area, really, because it's kind of like dirt and stuff. Mm -hmm. But this area, it's all tropical and it's really nice, like paved patio, like... Paths everywhere, mm-hmm. and the paths themselves—they've got these embedded imprints in the cement of like leaves and tropical uh, you know, greenage. Yeah, and,
1: it's stamped concrete.
2: Yes, yeah, stamped into the pit, which is very top notch.
1: So you walk down these paths,
2: and you can't really see which way the path is going because of all the shrubbery and all the mm-hmm. you know the greenery. So you can't really see which way things are going. So they said go down to the end. And to the left is where the ceremony is. Okay, I go down to the end. I couldn't find the place. I'm like, where are we going here? I go down to the, end of the trail, and there's like a little bar down there and like a couple picnic tables. And it looks very cutesy, but there's nothing there. And in fact, the bar was actually closed up with like a big tarp over the bar. So mm-hmm. it was totally closed off. And I'm like, there's nothing here. So I go like, where am I going? And I ask somebody. And they says, it's down the path over there across that bridge. Okay. So I make a left, go across this little bridge, and go around this corner and all of a sudden, this big open area, well, it's open, but it's kind of enclosed off because there's a lot of tall shrubbery bushes and tall palm trees surrounding the area. It's so like
1: a little grotto. Yeah, but I think
2: bigger. When I think of grotto, I think of like the thing with the holes in it and the thing like oh, that. Oh, yeah. So it's more like a clearing, but uh, next to the clearing is a paved area. And next to that is uh, like a lake with a big giant waterfall. I think I had three waterfalls. Well,
1: it's more of a lagoon. So I would say it's like a big lagoon with a huge... Like several waterfalls cascading in it, but
2: like 20 feet imagine, high, probably. I mean, 20, yeah. 30 feet high.
1: Imagine like a beautiful setting from Hawaii.
2: Right. Like if I took a picture there and I said, we're in Hawaii, you would have believed me. Right. Because there's
1: palm trees everywhere, bamboo, ginger flowers, birds of paradise. And the bride and groom got married on the paved, stamped concrete pad right in front of that whole area. So you could hear the water of the waterfall. And you could see all of this beautiful greenery around. And by the time of day that they got married, which is at four in the afternoon, it was shaded in the area. So it was like – it was a hot day. Oh, it was very
2: hot that yeah, day. Yeah. I it think it was, was like, really humid too. It really. was
1: really humid. And I wonder if that's because there was so much water up at that venue.
2: Ah, Maybe. Like It was a lot of creeks and, and waterfalls and a lot of water features and there was a fountain and – um, it, it was a very beautiful place. Like, I didn't even know. I was asking you earlier, like later, that do they do anything else there other than weddings? That's it.
1: No, we researched it. And there's a family, we read about it. They're called the McDougal family that in 1984, they built that entire setup as a, to be a premier wedding venue. And it is, a, it is a premier. It's a premier and it's premium. Like the pricing up there is very pricey. But I will say this. The staff there, the coordination was exceptional. Like I've worked with a lot of different venues. They were very communicative, very professional. Um, I knew exactly where to go and what to do from the moment I got there. Very helpful. Um, The servers were so great when we were there. Um, The coordinator, her name was Molly. She did such a great job. And the, I mean, the ambiance there was so beautiful. Even in the reception area, it was this huge white, tent with really high ceilings and when you and I sat up uh, set up at first like we did all of our setup and then we left f- to go have lunch for an hour and came back and then they had remember they had these like giant hanging globe lanterns like the little paper lanterns but they were right, huge right
2: but there was a, there was nothing you know I checked they were like just hanging,
1: No but they there. went from like from 1 hour when we weren't like we weren't there we were gone for an hour and we came back all of the tables were set up with all of the linen and china and napkins these Little paper lanterns were up. um, And then... Behind where the sweetheart table was, there was another waterfall feature inside of the reception area. And a this waterfall
2: huge- feature behind the sweetheart table in yeah. the reception room.
1: Yeah. It, well, it wasn't really a room, but in the tent. And then there was that stone fireplace lounge area set up right. behind them, too. It was really gorgeous.
2: It was very gorgeous. How can we get married there, babe?
1: Well, um, congratulations, we are. Surprise! We are? All right. Yeah. Well, I didn't just, tell just you. Just for
2: anyone who cu- might be curious and what... The- Place like that would cost maybe say starting price to get your wedding done there.
1: Um, I don't know their exact current pricing, but I've heard it's somewhere in the ballpark of like starting in the 50 to $60,000 range starting. just starting just for the rental of the facility and the catering. But that comes with like linens and all of that kind of stuff. But and They have s- a
2: big staff, too. I saw there was like probably 12 people working there, like running if around If not the
1: more, right. And they had a beautiful area for the um, buffet line. And then they had somebody watching the envelopes, like the cards and envelopes, which, you know, they, those can go missing. And they had a security guard on site. And oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They had a lot of really good stuff. And The so- only
2: thing I did not like about the entire place was that it was kind of on a hill.
1: Oh, my gosh, the parking lot. So the parking
2: lot, it's like it's somewhat level, but it's like you go up to like these little um, parking lot areas where like this row of cars, that row of cars. And there's it's a steep kind of hill, so when we're trying to wheel stuff with our carts um, to the car from the truck or the car or whatever. The cart always wants to roll down the hill. Yeah, and we're trying to like hold it, so we're looking on Amazon yesterday to find like little wheel stoppers or something to hold the cart in place so it doesn't roll away from us. We're trying to load it and unload it because the there you
1: came, go, logistics manager. That's a good job for you
2: because I'm trying to hold the cart my foot while I'm trying to load it with boxes. With Couldn't the,
1: we the, just get a little piece of wood?
2: Hey, now. <laughs> Actually, I think about it. If there's any scrap, let throw a scrap exactly. wood around here. We might have to find, make a little notch in one. Or yeah. some kind of like four by piece, like four pieces by, you know, and we have like a little piece while we're, we put the wheel in. Just kind of something, you put the wheel in it so it doesn't roll. But
1: That's I don't even know if do. it has to go in it. It just kind of like has to go around it. It's like the, you know, the little, little blocks that they put by the jets, like on Top Gun, like before and after, and then you know, they, they just pull wheel, them away. Wheel chocks. Yeah. Really. Yeah, well, you easy. just need to create some wheel chocks, but uh, so we were able to do that, and I was able to have you as my assistant. And the only way wait, wait, wait.
2: logistics manager,
1: uh, no, you were an assistant yesterday. But uh, the only reason that we were able to do that was because we have Ezekiel, our oldest, is home with us for part of his summer break. And he said that he wanted to be able to take on the responsibility of babysitting now, the, his the idea, boys.
2: his His idea. Yeah.
1: And, you know, we had one dry run before and things didn't go well, but it wasn't because of Zeke. It was because, you know, there was other kid drama. But we gave them a test run on Saturday while we went to go and set up the candles and they did great. And so oh, we kind of held our breath and we said, well, we've got to do this because mom and dad have got to work. Mom and stepdad have got to work. And so we had to go to the wedding. And he did an amazing job of watching the kids. Did he now? Yeah, he really did. So the kids had a great time. They walked down to the taco shop for breakfast, which we left them money for that. And then um, I saw some dishes in the sink. But when... Okay, let's let's rewind. When I called Zeke to let him know that I was on the way home, he was like, well, how long do I have? And I said, oh, about 45 minutes. He's like, I'm going to whip these boys into shape. They're going to get this house cleaned up. And so they did. They spent time cleaning up. Now it's, you know, kid version of cleanup, which means there's always a few things that we have to do. But they did a really great job. But I saw some dishes in the sink and I was like popcorn kernels. And I saw like some sticky white stuff. And then I also saw some... Grease and I was like, what in the world did they make? Well, uh, Ezekiel turned on our blackstone hibachi grill in the backyard. No, he did not. Yes, he did. And he made bacon on the hibachi grill and he cooked up some bacon for the kids in the afternoon. And he because he knows how to use it. And then he also,
2: you <laughs> took the gas off,
1: yeah, he said he did. So we'll double check tonight. Um, and then he, they made popcorn, but of course, with our little popcorn or our little microwave, because it's not full powered, it was like half kernels and half popped popcorn. And then the other thing they did is they made s'mores. They where did they make s'mores at? Over oh, the gas range. Oh, God. <laughs> you know why I laugh is because I did the same exact thing when I was his age. I'm not even lying. Like I would I would turn on the grill or the gas stove and I would roast my marshmallows or I'd figure out how to do them in the microwave and the kids
2: roast microwave marshmallows in the microwave
1: well you could just like puff them up they don't get roasty they just get like puffy but they um roasted marshmallows over the range and he made a snack for the kids and I think it's really appropriate age appropriate because he's figuring out like what works and what doesn't and he said, "Hey mom." And he he came clean He told me. He's like, "Hey, we burned one marshmallow and it set off the fire alarm." And I was like, "Okay. Well, that's totally fine, you know, as long as" He's like, "But we had water right there and we're totally safe." And I was like, "Okay. But the thing is, he's 17 and a half. He's going to be 18 years old soon and getting ready to launch him out into the world. You know, he's got he's going to be a senior this coming year and then he's going to graduate. And I'm really excited that he's wanting to start taking on some of these responsibilities because he's got to learn what he can do and what maybe not be safe to do in a safe environment like our house. And, you know, I didn't call him all day and he was like, you trusted me. I was like, I absolutely did. So, you know, shout out to Ezekiel for being a great babysitter for the boys and for keeping them entertained. Maybe next time, let's, you know, bypass the making the s'mores on an open fire. Let's
2: try not to set the fire alarm
1: off
2: (laughs) and burn the house down. Well, he
1: wouldn't have, he wouldn't have burned the house down. But I will tell you, Chris, almost every time I was home by myself, I would get into some kind of little. Qu- quandary related to fire, I would, I don't know, you know, try and start a fire in the fireplace and, you know, smoke up the house or whatever. And Look at you. You guys had a fireplace growing up? My yeah, of course we did. But, you know, I'm just saying what he's doing is very age appropriate and he's figuring out boundaries. And so shout out to Ezekiel. We really appreciate you. And he made it possible for us to be able to go to work the wedding together. Oh,
2: fantastic. And I was so tired after the wedding. Oh, my goodness. But did you have fun? I did have fun. So we had to come back home here. And then we had to go back and quote unquote, strike out, strike the wedding.
1: Strike. Well, typically, so they paid us to go back and strike. And typically, I would not come home in between. I'd just like stay up in that area and go find something to do But because we had the boys back home and I did not want to send you back by yourself and having to deal with them because you were so tired, we did come home. You sat down and you fell asleep immediately. And I'm not going to lie. I took a photo of you and I'm going to post it. Okay, fine. (laughs) uh,
2: Did you draw something on my
1: face? No, you were just like completely laid out and nothing was waking you up. Like the boys were playing. I was cooking and you were literally dead to the world.
2: That's, that's That was me. <laughs> so sorry. It's like a gift really if I could just pass out. You
1: totally could sleep anywhere. We did take a nap in the parking lot when we in between setup when we were waiting for the ceremony to be done. And then the phone rang and I was like, oh, my gosh. And you were like, huh? <laughs> but um, we came home and checked in with the boys. And then um, I made a quick dinner, a late dinner for us. And then we decided we didn't want to leave them home alone again while we went to do strike. So we loaded up the whole family in the two cars and we drove back to Fallbrook. All oh, the way
2: back up there. So And we you, got home
1: at midnight. Yes.
2: And my truck did use a tire full half tank of gas.
1: Oh, well... The whole entire day. Okay, well, I filled you up before we went and gave you cash to fill up again when we got home. Thank so you so much, babe. No complaining here. <laughs> Thanks,
2: boss. I pr- I love it so much.
1: You're welcome. I Not only that, I bought you lunch. Oh, what a, uh, Wow. I bought you breakfast. Thank you. I gave you a half a tank on the way up and gave you $85 to completely fill up on your way back. So, I would say... That you were fairly compensated. I
2: I do this for love. I
1: don't want money. (laughs) My
2: goodness. or Anything, really.
1: But okay, how did it really feel to participate in a wedding and be part of my world? I mean, I'm always here podcasting with you and part of this world. But for you to actually walk through a day in my shoes, I would love for you to tell us all what you felt and think. Well, first off, first off, first off, was I a good employee? Uh, Yes, you were. I would hire you back. Really? I would. Yes. You did a great job.
2: Name one thing I did.
1: So one of the things that you did is that I gave you the grunt work to do, which is like That's, probably, that's probably why i was
2: so tired. I yeah, did all the grunt no, work.
1: Well, I mean, yes. And um, I mean, normally I would do that also, but you were helping me fill vases and things like that and things that I needed done. And what I appreciated is you did not complain, because I was really worried, because let's be honest, you're like yeah. the world's biggest complainer.
2: Uh, and I think that yeah, the character... I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think the character Eeyore was modeled after you. Uh,
2: I'm not, yeah, or something, <laughs> something like that.
1: Yeah. But you know, I know you were not feeling great when you woke up in the morning, and you did not complain. You did say you were tired once or twice, but... Um, the only time that I had to get on you was you were like, I'm going to take a five minute break. And then you were like <laughs> on social media and then you called the kids and you're like sitting in one of the chairs while I'm working around. I was like, is your yeah. break over? And well, you looked at me and you go, not yet. And I was like, Chris, I need your help. And you're like, okay, break's you over. It's
2: really funny. If I was sitting in the, um, king, king and queen, like the, the bride, bride and groom's chair seat. with my feet on the desk, no. up, my feet up on their table.
1: Not funny, not funny. <laughs>
2: to sampling their food.
1: Yeah. Hey. But I asked you a question and you flipped it around with a question for me. But I really want to know, what do you think about what I do actually walking in my shoes for I half a day? I love
2: doing it. I would do it every single day. I love it so much.
1: But what do you think about what I do? Not about whether or not you loved it. What, what's your perspective of what it's like to be a wedding florist or a wedding planner now you
2: are on it you are on you are so and know I really loved is when the bride had an issue with the flower bouquet it was very hot that day so the flowers started to like melt it was so hot and you did your best to keep them up and like bright and fresh mm-hmm. you did everything you could water to cooler everything you possibly could but it was so humid so the flowers were dying and one of the flowers the bride was like this bouquet is kind of like Oh, uh, there's one flower here, Can you? I don't know about this one here. And you're like, "Don't worry about it. I got this. Don't you worry. I'll take care of it right now." And you're in the middle of doing something else. I think you're setting up the towers for yeah. the uh, wedding ceremony. Ar- mm-hmm. Ceremony arch, uh, tower buckets of flowers, what do they call them? I don't know. But they're really pretty things, too. Mm-hmm. And you're in the middle of doing that, you say, I'll "Take care of it. No problems. Give it to me." Boom, maybe it was 5 minutes later you had it done and you get right back door and it was like completely it magical. was gorgeous right it, it was very magical and there was even one flower in one of those flower buckets I pointed out I said honey that flower bucket one looks pretty sad it looks yeah. it's a big one but it's like all droopy it's like melted ice cream can you please <laughs> <laughs> figure out what to do with that thing yeah and you're like watch this boom blink of an eye it was gone I don't know what you did with it you replaced it <laughs> or something else and it looked great. You are so good at that kind of stuff. Thank I, you. I can see why people actually pay you to do this. <laughs> you, you, <know>? you can. <laughs> I totally can see. I can see you're very on the spot. And there's some things that you do naturally that I would love to be better at. That'd be uh be more friendly, I guess, is probably <laughs> one of them. And be more hospitable. Uh, you are very much on point when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Like there was a couple of If somebody of times. needs
2: something, you are on it. Not only are you on it, you know exactly what you're talking about, you know exactly where where to find mm-hmm. it, how to fix it, what to do. You are uh, very much a leader.
1: Oh, thank when you. When it comes to
2: this kind of stuff, I'm like I'm still learning the ropes. You yeah. know, I'm an amateur hour here. I'm admit it. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not you know pro here, but I like being your wingman.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, so one of the things you brought up about knowing where everything is, that's why I'm so on it about the way that I pack vehicles because for me. I have to know exactly where every single item is so that when we unpack it, I'm not trying to figure out where everything is as we're unloading. And so I'm very hands-on. Like The night before, I loaded up your truck, myself, and you were like, oh, you loaded it all up? And I was like, yeah, because I needed to know exactly where every box was so that when we unloaded it, I could direct you to like, okay, these boxes go here, these boxes go there. So it's a lot of pre-planning and a lot of forethought and like a million tiny decisions, but I did really enjoy having you there yesterday. I enjoyed that we got things done quickly enough that we were able to like take a break for an hour and go get lunch and then come back and set up for the ceremony Um, that also saved the flowers from completely dying because let's be real, even in the shade, it was like 95 degrees and humid. But the bride and groom were very happy with everything and I was very happy to be able to have you there with me. And I would invite you back to assist me again, but maybe on a weekend when we don't have all three kids at home.
2: Or we have a set babysitter or something set aside, maybe uh, the ex, uh, ex-wife ex or maybe uh, my parents or somebody.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think on a weekend when we have just the two kids that having a wedding is okay, but that's a lot to ask of Ezekiel to be a regular babysitter. We did pay him very well, and he was very happy with that, and he took his... Uh, earnings to Best Buy and went shopping today. Oh, what'd he get? He got a tripod for his video camera and a new microphone for his video camera, for his other video camera. And so he's been doing vlogging. He and the boys have been doing vlogging. It's been really fun. They're
2: trying to get in the video space going on, on YouTube. He showed me some of his editing he's doing. Some program he's got. He's figured out on his laptop. He's figured out something. It's all fun game. fun fun, and Fun times for him, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm just really grateful that we were able to get through the weekend. I feel like we were all zombies a little bit today. And the kids went to bed super late because we got home so late. Um, But, you know, they, they just were champs last night. And so, shout out to the whole family because we made it through a double wedding weekend. And I think that it was I think it was really good for you to walk in my shoes for a day because sometimes when I come home, you're like, why are you so tired? You were just at a wedding and because you kind of viewed it as a party. Right. And I'm my like,
2: perspective of wedding, you're like, let's just get sauced and let's just hang out and have some good food and hang out and yeah, mingle. No, nope. But I, I did just mingling there. You know, I, was, I know. I, was you ming- I mingled with the bride and the groom. You're such a dork. And I mingled with whoever else was there.
1: Yeah. Here we're supposed to be like cleaning up and then you go up to take stuff from the sweetheart table and- you had you were like I wish that I could know if the bride and groom liked everything, and the next thing I know, you're coming back with this sappy grin on your face, and I looked at you <laughs> and I said, "Did you go and talk to the bride and groom?" And you said, "Yes, I did. I sure as heck did." And the, and then she said, "So how wonderful you are."
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, she just how wonderful you are, and how wonderful I am, of course. Oh, But more importantly, I didn't
1: get to introduce you to her. Well, how
2: more importantly, how wonderful you were, and telling how great you were. She Aww. said that in wonderful things.
1: That's wonderful. Well, speaking of wonderful and speaking of flowers, you know, there was a lot of beautiful colors at the fl- at the wedding yesterday. And this week's special guest is going to teach us about a different kind of color. Right, oh, Chris? Well,
2: what kind of colors we possibly could be talking about? I, I know, don't know. Are they colors maybe in the British uh, Army?
1: Uh, maybe, but we're going to find out when we come back with our fantastic guest from this week and we're going to hear from him right after this. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. And welcome back, everybody. Today we have another fantastic VIP guest. He is a man of many interests and talents, coming to us from all the way across the pond. Welcome to the show, Tim Heel. Whoa!
0: Well, thanks for having me.
2: Hey oh, Tim, cool. <laughs> that
0: was a, that was a bit of a trip. I just <laughs> just apparated across the pond.
2: You did, man. How was your flight?
0: Well, it, when you operate, you get sucked through. It's like everything's squeezed and then they pop out the other end. <laughs> I could have used the port key or, or could have used the flu network, but that takes a little bit longer, but operating's quick.
1: Well, we appreciate you making the trek through the airwaves to be here with us today on the Chris and Christine Show. Where exactly are you coming to us from in the world?
0: Well, I operated from um, Gosport in England. So if, if you look at the, England on the south coast, you've got a big island called the Isle of Wight. Well, just off to the northeast of that, you've got Portsmouth Harbour, and just the other side of Portsmouth Harbour, you've got Gosport, and Gosport is a fantastic place to live. It's reeked in history.
2: Really? Is like castles yep. there and stuff? Yes,
0: we have a castle not far away. Um, we've got several forts. Um, it, it's a, it truly is an awesome place to live.
1: So if you were to describe the the town or the city where you live, is it more like a countryside type of town or a metropolitan?
0: Oh, it's a town of uh, around about 82,000 people. Oh, wow. It's on a peninsula. So we, we, we've we got about 75 almost 80% built on, so we're quite quite built up. We don't have a huge amount of green space, um, but we've got, I mean, it's just a fantastic place to live. There's lots of work. We've got a naval base here, or a couple of naval bases uh, on the Gosport side, and then there's a big naval base on the port beside the harbour. So there's, um, you may have heard of the two new um, aircraft carriers that we've bought the Queen Elizabeth and the Prince of Wales they both live in, in Portsmouth along with our defenders uh, our def- uh, our um, yeah our D- D-class the uh, Type 45 oh, destroyers so, so so they live here and we're getting some new patrol vessels as well, as well the Type 31 which is should be quite exciting when they arrive
1: Well okay so you talked about the British Navy so With the armed forces in the UK, is it pretty large? Like in the United States, we have a pretty large military presence where, especially here in San Diego, we have a number of different bases and we have Navy, Marines, Army. Would you say that the UK has a pretty large military presence?
0: Way back in 1974, when I joined the British Army, uh, there was about 160,000 strong We were in the middle of the Cold War, great postings in Germany and stuff like that. Nowadays, the British Army's down to around about 62,000. The Royal Navy has been reduced in numbers, although they're trying to boost the numbers a little bit because they've got the new carriers and they've got the new patrol vessels coming. And the the Royal Air Force sits around about about 8,000, I believe, thereabouts. So we're fairly small, but we're high-tech, and we're probably the best – not probably. We are the best armed forces in the world.
2: Well, um, I want to know, Tim, is um, have you ever met James Bond yet?
0: <laughs> oh, I taught him everything he knew.
2: Oh, I, 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 I bet. Sorry, I, I, no, he was not part of the – in the. I had not read any of the books, but was he part of the uh, British Army or Navy? I, I don't know. He was in the Royal Navy. He was
0: a commander. Commander okay. Bond, I oh. believe he was called. And uh, actually, he was a figment of Ian Fleming. Right. Ian Fel- Funny thing, just to say Ian Fleming, during the war, um, was part of the psychological operations type affair. And they just. just uh, there's a new film out called um, Operation Mincemeat. And he's the guy that's writing um, as they're doing this Operation Mincemeat. He's writing the James Bond films.
2: Oh, nice! Or, or the books. Who was your favorite Bond then? Oh, I think um,
0: probably Sean Connery.
2: Right, but did did it kind of throw you off that he wasn't uh, from from England? He was uh, Scottish, wasn't he? He was. He was a jock. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we so were kind of, yeah, we
0: kind of, of old that against him because he wants to be independent and. Uh, right, right. Maybe we should let him. <laughs> but no. I do have a bit of Scottish in me. Oh, apparently. you do? Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I wear a kilt on Burns nights. <laughs> <laughs> really?
1: That's some interesting facts there. Okay, so I have a question, Tim. I'm a huge fan of the show Downton Abbey. How far yep. from where you live is the setting of that show? Uh,
0: Downton itself is not far, actually. It's about. From here, I think it's around about 30 miles away.
1: What? That's so close. Have you ever been?
0: Yeah. Um, I haven't. It's, it's on a list to go. I think it's I think it's English Heritage that run that one, or it might even be the National Trust. But it's on the bucket list. We're trying to do it. Obviously, I'm so busy nowadays since I've retired that um, <laughs> it's just retired, trying huh? to find time to do anything.
2: Uh, yeah, you know – Retirement can go in two different directions. You get the guys that like want to do everything they never had a chance to do while they're busy working. It's so, like, I'm going to retire so I can do all this fun stuff. I can travel. I can do all this stuff. And then you get the guys that want to retire. They don't want to do nothing. It's what I'm going to sit in this chair until I die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Are you more of the let's fill every minute of every day kind of guy?
0: Well, I believe that you've got one life. You live every day as though it's your last Because one day it will be. And the last thing you want to do is when you get to the pearly gates and you're not there and old Pete comes out and you have to say to him, well, sorry, Pete, I I didn't have much of a life and I've got so many regrets. When I get up there, I want to be able to say I've had a fantastic life and one of my own choosing and I've got no regrets.
2: Yeah, that's it,
0: man.
1: So you mentioned retiring, Tim. What? Did you retire from? What was your career before this current phase of life?
0: Well, I I joined the British Army on the fifth of August nineteen seventy four and I left the British Army on the fourth of April twenty eighteen. Oh wow. Done forty four years under the colours.
2: So were you like a general or something, or how does that work?
0: No, I was much more better than that. I worked for a living. I, was
2: okay. a, I, I
0: ended up I ended up as a colour sergeant.
1: Okay, so Which what's is, uh, a color sergeant?
0: A color sergeant comes from an infantry regiment and escorts the colors. Now, the colors are, one of another word, the flags that the troops rally around in bat- battle. And it's a very important job protecting the colors. Um, staff sergeants, they come from the cause and they don't really do an awful lot.
1: So with protecting the colors, um, what did that look like for you on a daily basis?
0: Counting blankets sometimes. It's, <laughs> a color sergeant is, is in charge of the company quartermaster stores, basically, okay. is what a color sergeant's role is. Once once he comes from uh, being a platoon sergeant, his next role will be a company quartermaster sergeant, and the next one up is the company sergeant major.
2: Okay. Okay. Um,
0: so I could have been a company sergeant major, but I went off and specialised in psychological operations.
2: Really? Look at you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Check me out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, are you one of those people that you can like get into the mind of a criminal and do like psychological warfare with them?
0: I could do psychological warfare. We don't tend to pick on criminals. Um, what we do in the British military in psychological operations is we look at a target audience that we need to influence to change an attitude or behaviour. So when I was in Afghanistan, our main focus was the locals and working on their hearts and minds to change their attitude and behaviour to make them warm to us, basically. Um, again, in when I was in Macedonia and Kosovo, we did the same sort of thing. When I was in Iraq, we did the same sort of thing. In fact, my job in Iraq was an uphill struggle, a massive, massive uphill struggle. My, my role at that time was to enhance the perception of the, uh, the Iraqi police service in the eyes of the locals.
2: What do you mean by that? Like it was. Now
0: what? the Iraqi police service have been corrupt for donkey's years, oh. and were never trusted. Oh yeah. So you can imagine that I was uh, a <laughs> most of the time I was banging my head against the wall, but right. we had to come up with some sort of campaign to to try and get the the locals to come round to trust in the Iraqi police service.
2: Hey, Tim. What is the like minimum requirement to join the British Army? Like specifications.
0: Um, basically you have to have half a brain and be able to breathe.
2: (laughs) But what age though? Like what's the age requirement?
0: Um, we can join the British army at the age of 16. What? 16? Um, 16. When I, when I joined the British army and you come in as a junior entry. Okay. Um, so you're not allowed to go into combat situations or anything until you're 18. But, um, we have a college nowadays. It's called Harrogate and it's the, um, army of, um, foundation college. And what they do is they put, take kids in from the age of 16 and they give them leadership skills mainly. They bring their um, academic standard up to date. Uh, they, they give them leadership skills and they are the leaders of the future. So what happens is these guys, when they, they pass out of training, they, they go and do their, their trade training for their particular Role, and then they'll go off to their, their units, their regiments, and they would generally find themselves being promoted a little bit quicker than somebody coming in, in at a later stage, uh, somebody 18 plus, so, because they've had a, a much better grounding of leadership.
1: So having a understanding of the British Armed Forces I've always wondered when it comes to the monarchy, why Prince Harry and Prince William had to, I think they had to serve in the military, or maybe I'm misunderstanding, but is there an obligation that the men of the monarchy have to serve in one of the armed forces?
0: No, no. its, it's I think for them it's, it's purely voluntary. It is, I think what they look at doing is, They'll go off and, and they will go and join the military. They'll, they generally come in as officers. They both went through Sandhurst, um, which is our West Point, for want of another word. Um, they both passed out. Harry obviously went to helicopters and went to Afghanistan twice. The first time was screwed up for him by the, the mainstream media, um, said that he was there and they had to extract him. The second time he was there, he was, um, he, w- he wasn't flying, I think he was a gunner in, a, in an Apache helicopter. Wow. Um, while Prince um, Prince William, on the other hand, he went and joined the Royal Air Force, did his training there, got his pilot's license and he flew helicopters for a while. Now he's moved on from that. He, he did search and rescue heli- helicopters, before they disbanded him and gave it over to the private sector. Okay. But now he he does um, his royal duties.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I've always wondered about when you have a high-profile individual in the military – do they actually get to be involved in combat? But as you are, or men- they just
2: sit back and just you know.
1: But as you were mentioning with Prince Harry, that he actually got to go into Afghanistan. That's very interesting.
0: Yeah, I think his his first his first time there, he was a, a forward air observer, so he's working in a small patrol base or a fob, uh, forward operating base, and he was directing helicopters and fast air coming in onto Taliban targets until um, somebody let slip that he was there. Uh, unfortunately, they had to extract him at that stage. He came back, and then um, then his second tour, he was based out of Bastion, and he went off in uh, in the Apache helicopters on raids and stuff like that, supporting the ground troops.
1: So... Back to your experience with your role in protecting the colors, were you involved in presenting the colors ceremonially at different types of events? When I like Chris and I here locally, when we go to baseball games, we see that there's the military typically will present the colors because they do a lot of, um, they have a lot of involvement in the sports events here. But for large events like, I know the Queen's Jubilee celebration just happened or is happening, is the military involved in ceremonially displaying the colors?
0: Absolutely. Um, every year the Queen has her, her, her birthday, which is the 21st of April, and then she has her official birthday, which is in the, uh, I think it's around about the 6th of June normally. Sixth of June, yeah, thereabouts.
2: So she has a, two birthdays.
0: Yeah, she has an official birthday where um, they have troop in the colour or the be- Queen's Birthday parade, and that's that involves predominantly the Household Division, um, King's Troop Royal well, horse, horse Artillery, and the Household Cavalry, um, and they 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 parade their colours for the Queen on a official birthday, which is is in June.
1: Oh, wow. Also, other
0: other regiments have uh, also prayed their colours. They generally come out for um, special parades if they get a freedom of a city or if they get a medal parade, then they'll have the colours out. Um, My regiment, we have a regimental gathering every year up at a place called Duxford uh, where we parade the colours and we have a drum head service to remember our fallen so it's a very very important um to to particularly infantry regiments
2: oh wow i bet so yeah
1: definitely with honoring the fallen so is
2: the is the royal uh, family is, you guys is it are they pretty big are they like bigger than the biggest celebrity that we can think of here <laughs> in you in, in america
0: well put it this way the queen has been on the throne uh, for the last 70 years she's just had a platinum jubilee she is the single person that is known worldwide mm-hmm. um i mean when she first came into uh, to be queen in 1952 when her father died we had an empire basically we had um yeah, pretty much a, a, a full-on empire. The world and- yeah, we we down now it's just down to the Commonwealth, and that's getting smaller. Um, where they want in an independence, and they want to go into republics. Right? Why yeah. people want a republic? I have no idea <laughs> whatsoever. I don't. I don't get a republic at all, because I mean, look at America. I guess you're a republic, and look at your leader.
2: <laughs> well, we, we have to change them out every so often. That's what we do
1: best. <laughs> <laughs> we to switch them out every few years. Trade them in for yeah. a new model. Uh, okay, so you seem to know a lot about history. And in reading your bio, it seems like you love to be involved in history. You mentioned being in a city that is very steeped in history. So yep. can you share with us one of your favorite historical facts of of the UK either where you live or something that you love to share a story
0: okay where I live um, this area at this time of the year uh, 70 70 odd years ago now D-Day the 6th of June 1944 we have the embarkation beaches where the vast majority Loaded onto ships to cross the channel to retake Europe, and this and, and and where we are now is where all the troops mustered to go onto the to the landing craft and the ships to take them across the channel for for D-Day.
1: And was D-Day involving Normandy?
0: Yeah, that was the other side of the channel. That's where they landed.
2: Wow. Right. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? Yep. Yeah, that that beginning like hour of the movie or half hour, whatever it is, the, 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 is incredible. The, the beginning
0: of that is is really realistic.
2: That's why trust he, me. All of the experts, the historians have said, and even people who have been there, said that scene in the movie was so like realistic. It's so spot on to what, um, and that that scene actually. Some people that were actually involved in the storming of Normandy that watched the movie, like like. They were, they were tearing up watching yeah. watching that scene because of how yeah. uh, flashbacks were so real. Right. Um, and it's very gritty. You ever seen it, Christine?
1: Yeah, I've seen it. I've actually been to Normandy when I was eight years old. My parents took us to a European a- adventure, and one Ooh. of the places that we stopped was Normandy. What's interesting is we were there at low tide, and what a lot of people don't realize is how far out the water can go and so we when we arrived there you had these like sailboats and fishing boats that were beached because the tide was out
2: So they're typically underwater.
1: Well, not underwater but like floating, but the water recedes and so oh, when yeah. they had to go and uh they had to time the storming of Normandy at a specific time because if they went too late, the water would have been out too far and Mm. they would have been found out because they wouldn't have been able to access the beaches closely. So they're like talking about the history of where you live and the embarkation and then getting across the channel to be able to storm the beaches of Normandy had to be so perfectly timed. That's a very key component of... Of history there do you have memorials or any type of um, statues in your town to commemorate that
0: we do um we are i'd say we are absolutely steeped in history uh, around portsmouth gosport we have several war memorials in fact at my yacht club we have the coastal forces memorial uh for the coastal forces which are were the patrol vessels that went up and down the channel? Um, they they had the um, the motor torpedo boats, the motor gunboats that all operated out of um, HMS Hornet, which is where um, we have a yacht club, and also it's the Joint Services Sail Adventure Training Centre for the British military. So, guys across the military for the last, I think, 40-odd years have been coming to Gosport to learn how to sail um, and they do all their courses out of there. I did most of my sailing career coming out of uh, out of Gosport and out of um, Kiel in Germany. where we had Germany, we had a, a place up just outside of Kiel where we had the British Kiel Yacht Club where we could go and hire boats and take boats out, and we used to do courses and stuff like that up up there. So that's where the British military learned to sail.
2: Oh, nice! So, so Tim, what is the biggest uh, boat you've ever sailed with or used? Um, well, Queen Elizabeth,
0: Queen Mary, right? Been on both of those. Um, <laughs>
2: the one that docked here at Long Beach. But, <laughs>
1: but, but, no, you're talking but, about the Queen Mary, Chris. That's not the Queen. He's talking about the new aircraft carrier, the new. Uh, oh, I'm, ships. So, I'm yeah. sorry.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yeah, like for but a, for sailboats, those aren't sailboats, though. I'm talking like ones that are actually no. the sail.
0: So, sailboats. Uh, the larg- largest one that I've actually sailed as a skipper myself was uh, uh, a Beneteau 44. I My last boat was a Helberg Rassi 36. Um, and we had that for about eight years before we sold her. Uh, I had to sail it how, last year. How, how, how
2: long was it? How how many feet? You think uh, thirty six feet, thirty seven feet, okay. thereabouts.
0: Okay, okay. So are they, are they more just diff- over eleven meters?
2: Are they more difficult the um, the larger they are to sail than for the smaller ones?
0: No, everything's just heavier.
2: <laughs> oh really? But I'm saying like do they turn like slower and they get to, like.
0: Um, it depends on the boat. I mean, it depends on how it's configured. Depends on the keel. If you've got a long keel boat, it, it, it turns a little bit slower, more difficult to go backwards. If it's a thin keel, it, it'll turn a little bit quicker.
2: Is that what happened with it's, uh with Titanic? Is that what it had a smaller keel, I think? And then it didn't Honey, miss-
1: they were not a sailboat. I don't know I don't when know, the last time was that well, you looked at I've that read, movie, but it's not a sailboat. I not know it's not a, a sailboat. It was I'm, a rudder.
2: Was it rudder that was a problem with the rudder, I think maybe it, it was too I, I, small?
0: Um, I, I, I don't think they had too much trouble with that steering it. I think they just didn't see the, the the ice. they didn't have radar. they didn't pick up the the ice field the ice flows that they they run into. Um, they skimped a little bit on on the build where they should have had sealed bulkheads where it made a hole in one of them, let water in what should have happened if it had a proper bulkhead it would have just flooded one compartment. the rest of the boat would have been fine. But they they cheated a little bit with the bulkheads, which is why it took on so much water and sank.
2: Right, I, I understand I, it. Yeah, uh, Christina and I went to the um, museum, uh, the Titanic Museum. We actually got to see a chunk. It wasn't
1: of- a museum; it was a display in Vegas. Anyway, it's a museum.
2: <laughs> but it, but museum. It had they had a uh, a big the biggest chunk they've ever recovered of the ship on display. It was the size of like a wall of a house, I guess I would say maybe. And it was a big side of the ship. And it's very inspiring and, and awe-inspiring when you see the thing live. And you see the actual piece of the ship. You can't touch it, of course. I mean, they, they frown upon mm. that. But um, it's like right in front of you. And it's kind of uh, like, ooh, shake this thing out. It's kind of, it was kind of cool. I, I liked it.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, Tim, we're going to – go ahead.
0: So we, we have a few um, wrecks here. We've got the, the Mary Rose, which was Henry VIII's um, flagship and when that launched and left Portsmouth Harbour, got outside the harbour and consequently t- <laughs> turned turtle um, because the guns on it were too heavy for, no. for the top deck.
2: Oh,
1: my um,
0: gosh. Yeah, they, like, one
2: job to do, Bob. What did you do? <laughs> Screw yeah, <laughs> that up. <laughs>
0: one, one job. Uh, and <laughs> they recovered it back in the 70s, and now it's housed uh, in, the, in Portsmouth Dockyard in a temperature-controlled Building humidity controlled building, right. and you can come and see what's left of it. There's loads and loads of artifacts nice. from from that time, from Henry the Eighth's time. We've also got uh, Admiral Horatio Lord Nelson's flagship HMS uh, Victory, and that's. I, I'm, I'm privileged enough to go on there uh, occasionally into the senior Rates mess and have a have a beer or two. Oh,
2: nice. And we've wow. also
0: got the first ironclad, steam-driven warship, which is HMS Warrior, also here in the dockyard in Portsmouth. So we've got lots and lots of stuff here it sounds in Sounds like a, like a good time. You know,
2: uh You know, all of your historical ships and vessels you have for display for everybody for tourists yep. to go check out. We have that, too, here in San Diego. We have the um, – what is it the called? The Midway. No, the other one that we go to all the time. It was the um, – Star of India? Yes, the Star of the India. pirate ship. We call it the pirate ship, yep. but – I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the Star of India. It's a actual, it's a very large sailboat. I think it's one of the last sailboats ever made. It's, it's a pirate ship. Well, it's not a, you don't call it a pirate ship.
1: <laughs> it looks like it was from Pirates of the Caribbean.
2: Well, the Star of India does not, but the other one does next to I, it. I think you'll probably find it,
0: it, it's a cutter that did the uh, <laughs> the, uh, silk oh, the silk run. Oh,
1: yeah. possibly, It does uh, the, look like
0: the, one of the, those. The T-run.
2: Right, it's... Yeah, it's what it is. And I, I thought they, they were supposedly uh, supposed to use it. It's actually it's marked a historical landmark, the actual Star Yeah, it hasn't sailed in a while, but
1: yes, it did. I was doing an engagement photo shoot with some of oh, my clients did? the other day, and it was in the background. Yeah, it the was totally... Yeah, it was totally.
2: Well, I think they put the thing around just to kind of get some, get some miles on it. You know, it <laughs> doesn't just sink. There. <laughs> they have to use it every so often. So if you don't use a ship, it just sits there forever. What happens to the ship?
0: It sags.
2: It does sink eventually.
0: Yeah, a, wood, a wooden warship. I mean, that's the problem that they've got with um, HMS Victory. It's, it's a it's a wooden warship. It's sat in a dry dock, and they're that they're spending, I think it's about thirty million pounds um, renovating it or pre- preserving it. Wow! So they're having to put up all sorts of things underneath it to to stop it sagging and, and breaking up.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Well, we're going to switch gears for just a minute here, Tim, because we have loved hearing about your background and the history of England, but one of the things that Chris is super excited to chat with you about is your podcast and your experience with podcasting. So, uh, do you mind sharing with us how long you've been podcasting and vlogging?
0: Oh, can I do that? Go on then, I will. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay. The reason that how I got into podcasting in the first place is when I was in the military, I, I was obviously one of my roles in psychological operations was I was working on radio, um, so I was I was recording and editing radio programs and stuff like that. So I had that skill set. Prior to lockdown, I was working on ancestry, and I found my great granddad, who lived in um, Portsmouth, not far from where I live now, and. He was a chief stoker in the Royal Navy, and I thought it'd have been brilliant if I could have had a chat with him about his life and recorded that. Um, unfortunately, my time machine is broken down, and I can't get back to, to do that. It
2: is man, talk to Doc Brown. I'll get that thing fixed up no time.
0: Oh know. yeah, I need I, I need to <laughs> need to get get hold of Marty. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to get <him> to sort <laughs> it sorted out. Anyway, so so we got into lockdown and. I thought, well, why don't I tell my story and then that won't be lost like my granddad's. So I sat down and uh, I started recording and I did 24 half an hour episodes of my life. So if any of your listeners are out there are suffering from insomnia and need to try and get to sleep, have a listen to one of them. Some <laughs> of them actually might give you nightmares. So just just be aware. Use your, um, use your
2: cautions. Yeah.
0: Yeah, usual cautions. <laughs> I've had I've had a pretty fruitful life. Yeah, um, and there's some there's some pretty gritty stuff in there as well. Um, and then I got to the end of that and was still in lockdown. I thought, what do I do next? Well, I did a couple more episodes of in depth stuff. I did. I went to colditz Castle and Auschwitz, and uh, I did six trips down to Morocco that I I, I did for a friend. And um, and I thought, what do I do now? Well. Why don't I tell other people stories? So I started off with my mother and uh and I I'd had a chat with my mum, recorded that and that's gone out and uh it's kind of snowballed from there really.
1: Nice. And
0: um I'm I've just recorded a hundred and hundred and fourteen other people.
1: Wow.
2: Look at that. And now are these all virtual or do you do any in person interviews?
0: I used to do it in person and um but now, because of lockdown, I I, I do it virtually and I, I find it so easy to do now. It is. I, I, nice. use, I use StreamYard, um, so I record it as a video and from there I can upload the video onto Buzzsprout and it, it strips out the audio and then I can put the video onto YouTube.
2: Nice. So I've got
0: a YouTube channel. So people can see the people that I'm interviewing. Uh or if they want to listen, it's across all the the normal popular podcast apps.
2: Right. You know, um I like I have a StreamYard account too, and I just for funsies decided to go live on the Twitter with it just to try it out. And I'm like, oh look, I'm on live on Twitter and I like looked at my phone, look, there I am, I see myself. And um it, the funny thing was is that I, I don't have I think I have the free version of StreamYard, so I wasn't like saving anything or whatever. But it was mm. but on Twitter, it did save it. It saved the entire thing on Twitter. It's part of like a it was live, but you can go back and replay it kind of a thing, which I yeah. thought was kind of cool. And I don't know what the box well, is on that. I also
0: do a Thirsty Thursday live stream. Um and I've been doing that for a couple of months now and and, and my audience is starting to grow.
2: Oh good. And we it's have good.
0: a we have some real fun. Um, sometimes we we do a special. I've done some a couple of mental health specials. Um, I've done a, a crime special. I've done a, a, a pre-election and a post-election special. But most of the time we have an open forum and we have guests come in uh, onto the show and we just have fun, basically. That's what it's all uh, about. And I'm the hostess with the mostest. There so, you go. Uh, uh, and it's, it's, it goes out on uh, YouTube. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Twitch.
2: And it's all live, right?
0: And we do it live, and it goes out, it's, it's from seven until nine o'clock British summertime. So for you guys, I guess it's
2: seven a in the morning.
0: Bit, I, yeah. Like is it, is yeah. it seven in the morning? No, you're not. It's a bit later than that. It's probably about 10 or 11.
1: Now, know, time. are you a person? You're about
0: seven hours uh, when we're over here in uh, San Diego.
1: Now, are you a person who also loves editing your podcasts, or do you just like to run them as if they're a live broadcast without having to do any of the post-production work?
0: I used to edit it all the time um, and, and it was it was becoming onerous uh, because I was editing an, an Adobe Audition and Premiere Pro. But since I've started using StreamYard, I tend to – my, my, the way I come in is I come in cold, pretty much cold. I don't know a lot about the person that I'm going to have a, a, a chat with. So, I, I, basic information who they are, um, roughly where they're from. And then I come in cold, and the, the format of the show is I ask them when and where they were born. I'll ask them where, uh, if they could describe what it was like where they grew up and the schools they went to and the education they received and then we'll kick that around and we'll rattle their grey matter and we we'll pull out some real gems and little nuggets of stuff that they'd forgot decades ago and then uh, when we've had enough of that we'll we'll look at their work-life history and we'll go through that and we'll we'll focus in on some, some real gems and and then we'll focus in on something that that they're, they're currently doing or something like that if they've had a book out or if... Uh, if they're doing something special, then, right? Then we'll then we'll go through that, and they they range anything from sort of twenty minutes to a couple of hours. Wow, look at that! Um, I don't have a time limit. If somebody if somebody just keeps on, then i will keep listening. I've got two ears and one mouth, and that's the the, the key to using them when when you're a host.
2: It is, and um, it, it's fun doing all this, isn't it, though? It's it's a real thrill when you get everything together, and you, and then when you put your work out there in the world, and then you see how it takes off on its, own, on its own life, its own legs, it, it's, it grows, you know, and people are yeah. listening to it, and they appreciate it, and they actually listen to it, and you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool, and then it makes you want to make the next one, or get the next guest, or they get the next whatever, and go on to the next one. I think our very first interview we did, it was like, we were so nervous, you know, and we did it, it was wrapped <laughs> up, and... I think we were super really overly prepared when we did our first interview. And, um, but after it was all said and done, I'm like, that was kind of fun. We should do more of these.
1: And then he said, well, maybe we should do a podcast where every week or almost every week we have a guest. And I was like, I don't know if we can commit to that. And where are we at now? Interviewing guests all the time. Fabulous people like you.
2: And we always <laughs> fly him into the studio, by the way, on a private jet. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah well sorry i didn't uh jump on i, I believe that trying to save the planet one flight at a time so that's why i operated into the studio
2: <laughs> right there you go but it is very fun it's <laughs> very addicting and, and i i'd say like people should try it if they haven't already try content creating of some sort you know you might like it and i know it gets frustrating at first because you might see like oh no one's watching this or no one's no one's listening to this, you know, or only got five people have watched it, or something like that. But
0: uh, oh, I have a top tip for that. What's that? Don't don't look at the numbers.
2: They always say that. If <laughs> if, if
0: if your content, if your content is is quality sound, quality content, and quality quali- quantity visual, then it'll go. People will listen. So I I, I don't get hung up on the numbers at all. Uh, I, I don't even know. How many I'm downloaded? I got to something around about 10,000, I think it was, and I, I stopped looking.
2: Oh, well, 10,000 is good, man. Gosh, that's quite a bit, you know? Yeah. That's exciting. I mean, it gets very frustrating when you go on social media and you see someone says, Oh, I just hit 200,000 downloads, and somebody else posts, I just hit 200 downloads. And you're like, Okay, well, I, I always yeah. say congratulations to both. I mean, they're both exciting, <laughs> both people. Wow,
0: I've got five downloads. You with me? Yes.
2: Thanks, Mom. <laughs> that's what it basically boils down to so yeah uh, but I I love the the media I love podcasting I love radio Um, I love YouTube I love making videos and content creating and all that stuff and and, um, I love GoPro videos I got like I've gone through like five different GoPro cameras and um you know, I got the new MacBook computer and it just takes time to do it. And I'm not retired like you, so out of all this extra time to do this You aren't
1: you act like it. I wish I was. <laughs> That's my goal.
2: That's the end goal. So I could have time to do all my fun stuff I want to do. The work kind of just gets in the way of all my real job stuff. Well, I if, do. if
0: if I can give you one piece of advice about retiring, plan for it. Plan for it early. Work out when you want to retire and work towards it. So you're saving. So you've got a bit of a pension to come in and you can uh, downsize whatever you need to do. But plan for your retirement because when it arrives and you haven't, then you've got to carry on working. And that's the last thing you want to do.
2: Especially if you have a hard job, too. It's very physical. Like my job's kind of physical, you know. And they got some yeah. guys in my career that are, gosh, like pushing 70, you know, and they're and they're still you know doing it. But I'm like, gosh, man, shouldn't you guys be thinking about like the other side of your life by now?
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I retired at sixty, and uh, I, I haven't regretted it one little bit. That's awesome. And people, people, people say to me, "Don't
2: you miss being in the military?"
0: Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I mean, I'm looking to retire soon myself, too. Actually.
1: Oh, you're hilarious, Chris. So, what else <laughs> is it that you love about podcasting, Tim?
0: It's just talking to people. I just love hearing people's stories. Um on Podmatch I I've been a number one host for the last three months. Uh, I, I did notice today because I was just checking uh to see if I've got any more coming in, uh I dropped down to number two oh, as a host. Okay. Oh, well, it it happens.
2: No, no, it happens.
0: <laughs> they reset it every month and you've got to start climbing a greasy pole every month. <laughs>
2: that's the greasy pole, huh? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do mind what's somewhere else. But hey, um, so, <laughs> Chrissy shakes her hand at me. Uh, but yeah, we're also on uh, Good Pods, I believe. And I'm on Good Pods. I have two podcasts, because it's a podcast. And um, the numbers go up and down. And some people, you know, they climb, they go down, up and down. And I don't really know how the analytics work. I don't understand the, the method behind the madness. What makes one higher or lower, I don't know. But it's always fun to know that you rank somewhere on someone's list, yeah. you know. Well, on um,
0: on listen notes, i um, I think I'm in the top five percent, something like that.
1: Fantastic.
0: So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, Tim, what uh, other? I, I do it
0: just for the fun of it.
1: Yeah. What other interesting facts would you like to share with our listeners about you and your interests?
0: Well, I've got hundreds of them, but my last my last eight years in the army, you are like this. Um. I was a welfare officer for London Central Garrison. Now that job involved looking after the the three incremental companies of foot guards, the guys that stand outside of Buckingham Palace, St James's Palace, the Tower of London, and Windsor Castle in, in their their bearskins and tunics. I also looked after the five foot guards bands um, who play all the music for the Queen across the Buckingham Palace and back and Mounting Guards at Windsor Castle. Um And on the Queen's Birthday Parade, get this, I, I managed to bag a nice little job looking after the minor royals in the General's office. Now, the General's really? office... Yep, the General's office used to be uh, Lord Wellington's office. So Lord Wellington him of the uh, Peninsula War fame and Waterloo, his office in Horse Guards. Um, so I've taken many, many liberties up there and uh, chatting with, with the, the minor royals, um, like the likes of um, Halle, Harry, Kate, Camilla, the Yorks, the uh, Wessexes, the, the the Gloucesters, the Kents. Uh, they're all up there.
1: Wow. For the Queen's
0: Birthday Parade. And... And what they do now? Keep this to yourself.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> no one's listening. But all, <laughs> you, you all, can share. all
0: the little kids, right? They yeah. give them these sweets. So they're feeding kid the kids sweets. Now this is probably what's happened um, last week. I don't know whether you've seen it on your news in yep. uh, in America, but young young Louie yep, <laughs> on the balcony. What's happened there is the guys that's been looking after him. <laughs> They've been feeding him sweets. Oh, my
1: goodness. Is <laughs> so, that what,
0: happen <laughs> with, is that what happened with
2: the pictures? Is that why he's all acting crazy? The <laughs> yeah, queen?
1: yeah. Standing up on the chairs and yeah. you know, crawling up on his mom's so, lap.
0: I so that's what's going kid. on there. <laughs> somebody's, somebody's giving him some sweets.
1: So would you do that with the children too? You had a little something? I
0: didn't know. I, no, I frowned upon that sort of behavior.
1: Aww. Are they on a strict diet over there? I mean, are, are, they,
2: are they are they pretty strict on their food? Well, like mean, their um,
1: kids, they probably no, feed I'm, them yeah, MMs to did. keep them. Getting, I
2: don't I doubt it.
1: Well, you you have to keep kids entertained in some way. They're children. Just yeah. because they're royals doesn't mean that they don't have Well oh, oh, hey
2: Tim. Speaking of the royals, do all is all their food like pre-tested before it goes to, um like how's that work? I haven't got a clue.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: I, I just thought that uh, they had they, like they, poison they, control they, they, and things like that. I mean, he's they,
1: part of he was military, not like the royal guard. Well, he's,
2: he knows more than I would about the royal <laughs> guard.
1: They're, they're, they
0: have the um, the stewards that come in from St James's Palace um, that look after him over there. They they come to the general's office. They've got the the drinks all set out for him and stuff like that. Uh, and it's those guys that um, have the sweets for the kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so. fun.
0: So, yeah, that's how that works, I'm afraid.
1: Awesome. Well, you did mention, Tim, that you are a fantastic podcast host. And so we have some amazing listeners out in the world that might be interested in being a podcast guest on your show. So if you were to give them a little one or two minute rundown on what you do to entice them to be your guest, how would you pitch yourself?
0: Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? What for me to go uh, to get guests on my show, is that what you yes. mean or is uh-huh. it for me? Yeah. Okay. Right. So anybody who wants to come on my show, the easiest way to do it is to jump onto Podmatch, register on there as a guest, find me on there and give us a pitch. Now, I very, very rarely turn anybody down because everybody has a story. And my, my podcast is all about ordinary people with extraordinary stories. And everybody's got extraordinary stories. So the basic format for my show is I'll ask you when and where you were born. I'll ask you to describe what it was like where you grew up. And that's the important part, to describe what it was like where you grew up. The schools you went to and the education that you received. And this is, this is important because... It's about leaving a legacy for future generations to look back on this time in history and to know what life was like for ordinary people in these times. And then we'll look at your work-life history so they'll have an idea of what you what you did at work, how you, how you went about what you did at work. And then we'll look at something specific that we, we come up with. So if you want to come on my show, get yourself on a pod match, Get yourself registered there. Click the links to, to ask the, to come on my show, and we can sit down and have a chat.
2: That's what it's all about. That
1: That's sounds what it's fantastic. all about. So, so to- in
0: 100 years' time, when when some kids are in school, if they were ever go to school back then or then in the future, the, and they've got a project to look back at this time in history, they'll have a resource to be able to look back and know what we did at this time in history.
1: I love that so much. So listeners, definitely sign up on Podmatch. Go and find Tim on there as a fantastic... If you want
2: to be a a guest on his show.
1: Yes, if you want to be a guest on his show, find him on Podmatch. And who knows, you may be encouraging people that have always wanted to be a podcast guest but have never quite had the courage to... Hop on the trend.
2: And if you're promoting something, it's always good to go on a show because then you can promote your said book or book course or, or business or, whatever or
1: it is. Our innovative idea or tell your story if you're wanting to become a keynote speaker or something like that. And so, Tim, we appreciate you sharing your story with us, sharing your history of your beautiful country and inviting our guests to be guests on your show, our listeners to be guests on your show. Any last words Ooh. for our listeners?
0: Yeah, if if they if they if they don't want to be a guest on the show, but they want to come on a show, I do a Thursday Thursday live stream, and we, it's just a, a general chat. It's a chat show. We have guests come on, and we have a we just have a laugh. We have a giggle. Sometimes we'll have a special. Sometimes we, we we just have an open forum and see who turns up. Um, and all you need to do is go on to, to um, either Facebook youtube linkedin twitter twitch you'll see the 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 um the live stream advertised on there click on the link to watch the show or if you want to to come in give us a direct message and uh and i'll send you the link and you can come and join us
2: fantastic tim
1: well thank you so much for being on the show and we wish you all the best of luck
0: thank you so much
1: If you love music and podcasting, now you can have both. Introducing the brand new K2 radio station, available 24-7 on the Live 365 app for free.
2: Specializing in rock and alternative music, we're talking bands like Coldplay, Nirvana, Muse, Imagine Dragons, and yes, even the Rolling Stones. They have all stopped by to drop off songs, and we even have brand new popular tracks added every single day.
1: Also on the free K2 radio station, we are including podcasting. Get the best of both worlds. Download the free Live 365 app or listen online at live365.com and type in K2 Radio.
2: Hey, you know what? Uh, Tim was fantastic coming on the show today. He was asking us all day when's the interview going to be happening.
1: I know. We were so excited to have him and to learn about his town and to learn about his history with the British military. It was just super interesting, and I have a newfound respect for the individuals in the military that col- that co- – what is the word? Carry the colors. Correctamundo. Um, <laughs> stumbling over my words, uh, because I never really thought about the importance of that, and it makes a lot of sense and gives me newfound respect for it. So thanks so much for teaching us.
2: Fantastic, Tim, and also uh, another regard. It's another inter- fantastic interview coming from the UK. Yeah, how many have we had now from the UK? It's been a while. It's been a. Quite I
1: don't a bit. know. We've had all these people we've interviewed from the UK and never actually visited the UK. But oh, speaking of visiting and traveling, uh, because we're getting ready to go on our vacation this summer. And we're already starting to think about what we're going to do next summer because next summer is Ezekiel's graduation. He came up with an idea of where he would like to go on his uh, after-graduation trip.
2: Oh, where's that, baby? I
1: think you're going to be very happy because guess what? What? He's not wanting to go overseas. He wants to go to Tennessee. He wants to go see the...
2: Is there another girl involved?
1: No. No, no, no. He wants to go see... Um, where Elvis was, where Elvis's house was, and go. Oh, Graceland. And like, yes. He wants to go. Thank you for reminding me. Is that in Memphis? I don't know. But he said he wants to go see that, and then he wants to go to Nashville. And I thought, man, that's a great idea to maybe take the kids to Tennessee. And there's some great lakes that are out there. We could rent a cabin. I and- have my
2: aunt and uncle live out there. I believe it's Tennessee.
1: Yeah, they do. And where's the Grand Ole Opry? Uh, Nashville. No, Is it in Nashville? I think or so. is it in Missouri? You know, I don't We're going to need to look this up. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to need to check this out because I think that we're going to go. So for go... his
2: high school graduation, he wants to go to Tennessee of all places.
1: Yeah, because he's that, really. That's a...
2: cheap. Southwest flies there, I'm sure. Right.
1: Well, because of the movie Elvis that's just come out this past week. Oh, yeah. He wants, and he really has gotten into the story of Elvis and his music. And so he wants to go be part of American music. Music history Has he seen the movie yet? No he's going to next week With his grandma And then he asked If when he comes back Before vacation If we can all go see it together And I thought that'd be fun
2: That is fantastic You know I haven't been to the movies Since Top Gun And I want to go see That new uh, Jurassic Park movie Oh
1: Oh, yeah, that sounds great. But I've just been so
2: busy. Like, I've had time to do much of anything.
1: I know. know. And here I am making you work, you know, an extra two days a week. Gosh, you know, next thing you know, you're going to work seven days a week like me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I sometimes <laughs> I feel like I already do work seven days yeah. a week.
1: Well, so how does it feel? I know that it's a little echoey in here today, but how does it feel, Chris, to have. A first successful episode in the Christine Smith Design Studios.
2: It is nice to really christen this thing with some actual podcasting getting done in this room. You know, this is fantastic. I love it. You got the internet hooked up in here, which you got the Wi-Fi going and all that fantastic stuff in this little room. This room is fantastic. I love it. It looks great it's a really neat little office it's a really neat little studio uh like i said the the audio does echo quite a bit because everything's solid in here Mm -hmm. you know it reminds me my first time i went to a chipotle they had like the metal you went to a where
1: chipotle what's chipotle the restaurant oh chipotle (laughs) so i said chipotle (laughs) and they have
2: like the solid floors and they have like these metal like tabletops yeah metal and i remember like Everything was so echoing in that place. It was crazy. Like, oh, my goodness. I can hear something across the entire restaurant. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's hard to even have a conversation here. It's so, like, you know, all this noise. So it's not quite that bad, but it does feel a little bit like that. I know it was funny in another. other um, – You know, the other room we're in, same kind of effect, but we did have some more um, like the bed and the futon and things like that. Is that
1: Clover yawning? Yeah, Clover's yawning. Am I boring you? I'm sorry, Clover. Jeez. Clover, you want to say
2: something there or what? No,
1: she's just looking at the microphone. But so does it feel good, though, to be able to just, you know, I I remember we kind of got into it the very, like when we were first building this and you were like, can we go on podcast in there? And I was like, this is not going to become a podcasting studio. It is a... Work studio. It's but, that's totally fine, too. But, you know, being after hours and I think occasionally having um, us podcast out here, especially when all the kids are home and it's harder to keep them quiet in the house. Might be a good option for us. What do you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you have an interview or something, it's really hard to do interviews when you got kids thumping upstairs. Right. Remember all the times you had to to yell at the kids, like, be quiet, because they were like right above. Oh, yeah. Right above the room was their bedroom. And they were up in there just jumping and slamming and playing and running around. I don't know what they're doing up there. Thump, 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 thump. All you hear in the microphone.
1: Well, I did bring a little tiny area rug in here to try and absorb a little bit of this sound. Yeah, honey, it's
2: the size of like it's like what three feet by three feet s- square. It's shape. better
1: than nothing, and I brought a bed for Clover, and so then eventually when I get the little curtains to go in front of oh, the doors, yeah. that should help, kind of. And you know, but it's gonna be it's know, gonna it's be a little gonna, bit more industrial in here. Right. I mean, it's cute, but it has to be functional because the reality is. I'm doing a lot of floral design stuff in here, and the more foo foo stuff that I have in here, the harder it is to keep clean, right?
2: Absolutely, I I think it's great, you know. So well, hope, I hope
1: so because you report- put a lot of money into it.
2: Uh, yes, I did. Thank you. We did. <laughs> okay, we did. That's right. What's well, yours? Is mine, baby doll.
1: Hmm. Well, it's both of ours, but. We put a lot of money into it, and I'm excited to be able to christen it with the Chris and Christine Show.
2: All right. This has been great, baby. You got anything else, baby, before we wrap this up?
1: No, I'm just wondering, where can our listeners find out more about us? Well, you can find everything you want to know about
2: us and all the fantastic stuff we got involved here at chrisandchristineshow.com. And on over there, we got Christine Smith Designs on over there. We got Podtastic Audio on over there. And we also have the brand new k2 radio link to that is right on in
1: there too yeah definitely so you can fill your week with lots of laughs from chris and christine listen in on the radio show and you can get some clips from the podcast and we just really appreciate all of your support so definitely keep on listening subscribe uh like this podcast and give us a great five-star review and we look forward to hearing back from you
2: and we will see you guys next Next week. week